Welcome to this week's edition of the NPM Podcast. I'm John Burke, Managing Editor of NPM. Uh, joining me today is Noble Chang, Managing Partner of Palladium Energy, a Jacksonville, Florida-based utility-scale solar and storage developer with a one uh, gigawatt pipeline. Noble, thanks for joining the show today. Thanks, John, for having me. Well, let's get the 800-pound uh, gorilla out of the room. Uh, why don't you talk to us about your 2022 and 2023 pipeline, how it looks today, and how uh, the auction anti-circumvention inquiry, if it does result in some tariffs being implemented, uh, which it looks like now the final decision wouldn't come towards the end of the year, although uh, preliminary findings are expected in late August, uh, how, how would it impact those plans? It's a great question. It's definitely impacting the industry and putting solar development at a halt, right? We're entering yet another solar coaster trough due to the inquiry made by Oxen Solar. You know, several years ago, I actually had the opportunity to visit Oxen, the Oxen Solar warehouse in uh, San Jose. I uh, didn't think much of it at the time, you know, walked in, took a tour and walked out and didn't give that company another thought, really. And then obviously when this, you know, the anti-dumping duty and anti uh, and countervailing duty um, uh, inquiry came out, you know, definitely you know, brought back to memories of going there and, and, and visiting them. But, you know, t today we have, you know, a couple hundred megawatts that were slated for NTP in the near term, um, but those projects are now being pushed out considerably. Uh, today, I can't really tell you um, when we think those projects will hit NTP, uh, mostly because of you know three main issues that we're seeing, right? So the uncertainty of the um, ADCDV um, or a ADCVD. Um, the uncertainty will, will have impacts for months and it could be years that we're seeing kind of these impacts. Um, so we're not really sure how to plan our near-term project portfolio. So we have to go out and, you know, push these projects, uh, uh, push the NTP date for the projects. Um, another kind of big issue is kind of the supply and demand price hikes that we're going to see. You know, roughly 80% of the panel supply comes from these countries that are kind of listed in this uh, inquiry, right? So I've heard module pricing as high as, you know, 50 cents a watt. Um, you know, 50 cents a watt going from kind of the beginning of the year, you know, I've heard modules, you know, even with the uh, supply chain issues about, you know, mid 30s to high 30s. So adding another 10 cents cost for projects, you know, it's it's a big deal um, kind of hitting across the solar industry. You know, I think um, kind of one of the bigger issues, too, is kind of the delay and the cost to delay. You know, development capital is expensive. You know, we're putting out um, you know, uh, we're, we're spending dollars to uh, further development, you know, and putting down the credit facilities for PPAs and interconnects, and that and that cost is expensive. And we don't know what how long we're going to have to hold these um, kind of uh, security payments for. Um, sounds like to the end of the year, at least to when we find out. So, you know, we've seen tariffs, uh, you know, hit module supply kind of over my, my career, right? You know. First in 2012, um, then in the Trump administration, and now this, right? So, I mean, I think what we should do is, you know, use a carrot instead of a stick, you know, um, you know, provide incentives, not kind of employ costs to kind of push renewable development further, you know, which would then decrease costs for, you know, domestic manufacturing. I think, you know, rights law, it states that, you know, for every doubling of output, you know, the cost of that new output is 80% of that prior output. So, 
I mean, I think the United States government should incentivize the build out um, of domestic manufacturing instead of uh, penalizing what's coming in from overseas. You know, um, punishing industry really increases electricity costs for the the ratepayers, um, and you know puts jobs and investments and job and projects in jeopardy. We're definitely feeling on the ground floor. Uh, Noble, have you guys uh, conceptualized what that might look like in terms of how the government can incentivize uh, the domestic uh, production industry? Yeah, you know, I, I'm not a I'm not an economist uh, by any means, but you know, maybe a quasi one, as I like to call myself. But I think, you know, uh, tax breaks will definitely help push that forward. Or you know, it could be on both sides. It could be on the manufacturing side and the developer side, where you know we're it, us as developers are giving incentives to um, to you kind of use domestic product, uh, domestic mm-hmm. content. You know, I think that was contemplated in the Build Back Better, and I think that would really spur uh, U.S. development. Uh, U.S. manufacturing. And uh, to be fair, Noble, you don't even have to look that far in the Carolinas um, WEA offshore wind auction yesterday, which uh, was won by Total Energies and Duke Energy. Uh, there was a, a domestic component requirement to um, the bids that were put in. Um, so you're seeing yeah. some of that. Yeah, that's great to hear. Like, I believe, you know, using, you know, this analogy again, the the carrots that stick would really spur this along. You know, what we're doing to the solar industry with this um, with this inquiry is putting a halt to it. You know, we need to get more solar into the ground, more renewables into the ground. And this is definitely uh, being felt um, from the developer's perspective. Uh, thank you for that answer. So, um I'd say what we've uh, seen over the last um, uh, eight weeks, to, well, we're in May 12th, so let's say um, last six weeks or so uh, since news of this came to light is that we've seen a lot of um, developers securing uh, bank facilities or debt financings at the Holdco level. You know, some have specified around what the uses and sources and uses might be, and then others have kept it sort of for general corporate purposes or the standard line, but there's sort of an implicit understanding that a lot of this has been um, to help with the supply chain to to purchase uh, solar cells in advance. Um, And I'm just wondering if this is something that you guys have contemplated yourself when it comes to your own pipeline. Uh, Our capital is used for the acquisition and development of projects. You know, we have the ability to finance projects from Greenfield all the way to NTP. Uh, and our highest and best use uh, is development, and we have built a team to, to uh, around it to do so. You know, that being said, we're generally not opposed to buying equipment as a hedge. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but we're already seeing the impacts of the ADCVD. Um, mm-hmm. You know, panel costs have already increased from, like I said earlier, the you know the mid thirties yeah. to the, the the you know fifty cent plus range. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't see the business use case for for us. You know, but I'm happy to hear that. You know, some of our peers are seeking the equipment financing as a, as a hedge. You know, you really got to give the solar industry credit for the grit and tenacity of weathering the storm. You know, we're again heading towards another solar coaster event, but you know, I'm I'm, I'm glad to see you know kind of the the, the grit that um, is happening and people are 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 doing this to hedge against um, kind of this uh, supply chain issue. Great. So let's talk about the growth of the business and uh, go away from the negative stuff for a second. Um, you secured a capital commitment from uh, Treehouse about 10 months ago. 
Um, you know, and and we understand the the obviously what we just talked about. A lot of issues will impact that. But talk about sort of your your scaling plan from there. Uh, what particular um, uh, RTOs have been interesting to you? Uh, and you know where you see you guys really growing the business. Um, to just give us a proper sense of that. Yeah, uh, sure. Um, so a bit of context. Yes, we did raise capital um, from Treehouse. That was our second round of capital. We did that through our joint venture with uh, Oak Savanna Solar, um, and that was you know probably you know uh, several months before the Treehouse facility came into play. Um, you know, we set out uh, with the business plan of acquiring projects in deregulated markets. Uh, so we're in PJM, ERCOT, MISO, um, and, you know, continue to invest in kind of our backyard, which is uh, the southeast, specifically um, North and South Carolina. But, you know, we, we've received this um, commitment from Treehouse. Uh, this was prior to kind of the the slowdown in interconnection process with in PJM with the interconnection reform. Um, and so, you know, we did focus a lot of our energy in PJM uh, in the beginning, you know, but we are moving towards other countries uh, and other markets across the U.S. Um, yep. You know, what this this capital, uh, the capital from uh, Treehouse did give us a dry powder to acquire early to late stage projects. And we have done just that uh, and mm-hmm. being good partners and doing that. But, um, you know, with with Treehouse, you know, we, we talk to them very, very frequently and we as a collective, you know, see costs and timeline kind of increasing and elongating across the industry um you know and and treehouse like us you know has seen the capital requirements um you know increase you know even you know in early stages of of development and so we are working with treehouse to increase that facility uh you know we're currently their their lead company driving that expansion in terms of time and amount um and so for us our growth plan uh, is essentially saying same. You know, we have a long view of of renewables. There's there's a there's a need, um, not just a want. Um, and I think in in the future, um, you know, with the supply chain going back to normal and this uh, a bit more clarity from this anti dumping um, uh, this anti dumping uh, inquiry, um, I think you know projects will continue to move move along. Um, and so, again, kind of our 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 team is built for boots on the ground development and we're going to continue doing that kind of across the country. Um, and as for, and as for, you know, our pipeline, you know, we've doubled our project pipeline over, you know, the, the last three years, kind of year after year, and we'll continue to do that and grow methodically, you know, even as projects take longer and become more complex, um, you know, we'll continue to build out a long-term multi-year cross-market pipeline for years to come. Thank you. So um, I think it was uh, yesterday or late yesterday that uh, Centerpoint Indiana put out their RFP for all source. Uh, and I thought it was very interesting that as part of the all source request, you know, sometimes these guys aren't that specific, but they were specific here that besides renewable resources that the RFP would also take thermal submissions. Um, which um, I just don't remember seeing in in any recent all-source RFPs. Um, But it it sort of brought home the point that's been kind of made about, you know, in MISO and CAISO in recent days about grid stability and um, the ability to maintain power 24-7 with the existing renewable that they've procured 
and then the retirement of older coal and nuclear fire generation, like is there enough to maintain the grid on a 24-7 basis? I'm just kind of wondering if you guys have given some thought about that, you know, in terms of when you're you're buying buying these projects, um, you know, whether storage has become a bigger consideration, whether you've looked into other types of uh, even transition energy as part of um, your strategy. Um, again, I, I, I'm not asking you, Noble, to solve the problems of the grid, <laughs> these grid problems, but surely as you're developing these projects in these bigger regions, um, you certainly probably have some opinions about that. So I'll, I'll let you speak from here. Yes, definitely. And so, you know, I started my solar career in late 2009 in Kaiso, right? So it was um, uh, the good old days where PPAs were just 10 pages with the utility company. Um, <laughs> but we quickly saw the duck curve come into play, you know, just several years into um, kind of develop, you know, building the industry in California. Um, you know, the negative pricing happens when the sun is shining the brightest now. And so storage is definitely something that we are looking into for the majority of our pro majority of our projects. You know, we have some sort of storage component may be AC coupled or DC coupled. Uh, we have yet to kind of figure out the um, standalone storage component, but, you know, it's something that we continue to to look into, um, you know, our um, our business plan is to develop projects at scale and we could do that with storage paired with solar. Um, so it's definitely something that we're looking looking into, you know, the developers on our team, um, you know, have done, um, uh, you know, thermal development, you know, have gotten about a gigawatt and a half of, of projects developed, you know, gigawatt of that is now operational. And so, you know, we look at thermal generation as something that, you know, has definitely helped the transition from, from coal. Um, so it is, I believe kind of in a sense today necessary to have that kind of base load but you know what what is exciting about the storage industry uh in renewables is that you know that can happen you know so store solar no longer has to be just an intermittent resource it could be base load um it'll take a little while to get there um but we're definitely investing our dollars into uh storage technology uh, with respect to that, um, I'm assuming that lithium is what you historically have gone into, but are you looking to some newer, uh, longer duration technologies that are out there at this point? And uh, where, where do you see that part of the, the storage space as well while we're talking about it? Yeah, I'm definitely not uh, an industry expert when it comes to storage uh, technology. You know, I'm still you know, in the early days of trying to figure that out. Um, you know, but yes, yeah, so, so most of our um, most of our projects are, you know, designed with lithium uh, storage, but we're definitely we're competing with the, you know, the electric vehicle industry too for that supply. Yeah. So it's definitely expensive. Um, we're uh, we're more technology agnostic than uh, mm -hmm. other solar companies that I, that I've been with, or the one that I started um, back in California. So you know, we're open to understanding what other types of storage um, is out there. You know, we are. Um, kind of evaluating a you know, pumped hydro um, storage project as well, and that's that's really really interesting to us um, because we get to develop you know a project at scale, and that's what we, kind of what we do do best. But you know, I think um, flow batteries is something that um, that will, I hope will come back into the market, and, and we'll be able to develop that at scale. Yeah, 
it's interesting too that you bring up about uh, EV there, and I, I think um, I was reminded of this at the uh, EAS uh, storage conference back in December in Phoenix. But there was a panel where they talked very openly about how uh, China was like incentivizing um, the battery cells uh, manufacturing towards EV over storage. So it's a whole other supply chain conversation. Uh, to be honest, but we won't we won't talk about it here today. Um, but it's <laughs> yeah. out there and it, it exists. Yeah, but you know, they might be doing something right there, right? Where they're incentivizing produ- uh, manufacturing yeah, within their are. borders, right? And so yeah, no, that's no, going that, to pump up that industry. Um, and, you know, I, I hope we could see that here one day. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, for now, I'm just sticking with the bike. That works for me. So um, <laughs> that sounds good, especially with what's at the gas pump right now. It's not worth it. Yeah, um, so just in terms of the markets today, um, you know, you talked about some of the ISOs that you guys are involved in. Are there any newer markets in the U.S. right now that you're looking into, you know, at the exploratory phase? And why do you deem them attractive at this point? Um, I'll let you take it from here. Yes, it sounds good. Um, Yes, we're definitely always on the lookout for new markets. You know, we've we believe Palladium is a nimble team and see opportunity kind of all over the place. Um, and so the the good and bad thing about the United States is that all 50 states, it's its own market and each has their own kind of pros and cons. But for us, we like to develop projects at scale. So it has to be some sort of play where we could build utility scale solar. Um, so right now we are in PJM and ERCOT and, and in North and South Carolina, um, and we'll continue to invest in there because they are attractive markets. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we are exploring, you know, markets like SPP with, um, you know, Colorado and tri-state uh, utilities. Yeah, a lot going on know, there. So. Moving into, into SPP, you know, SPP historically has been a very difficult market for solar, uh, especially with all the wind and, you know, essentially we can't do any, any, any kind of solar in the wind belt. And so um, yeah. that's a very interesting um, proposition for, for us to delve in projects at scale. What about Nevada? Um, Nevada is, you know, not a market that I've historically taken a look at into when I was developing projects in California, there were a lot of horror stories from developers that, uh, were, were doing projects in, uh, Nevada, but that was probably seven years ago or so. So, okay. you know, I, I candidly, I have not taken a look into that market, but you know, now that you've mentioned it, I'll, I might. Yeah, I mean, we're generally covering a lot of larger, broader utility scale projects, solar plus storage, you know, in the in the desert, there's a few of them, you know, and, and obviously Gemini being the headliner there with, with Primergy, but yeah, that's right. There's there, there's other behind it. And obviously, when you talk about land, there's land's not an issue in Nevada, you can find <laughs> land anywhere, you know, you, you, you please really, to be honest. Um, so just talking about other verticals in um, Solar, you know, we hear a lot about CNI growth and DG growth. Um, is that something you guys are currently looking into as like an expansion possibility? You know, Palladium Energy, when we started the business, we wanted to develop projects at scale because that's what the partners have have done before, right? I have worked on utility scale solar um, since the early days of the utility scale solar industry. Um, you know, my my partner Mark. Um, has done, you know, a, a gigawatt and a half of uh, natural gas development and, you know, so large projects, um, you know, and, and then, and so that we want to continue to do that. I think 
Uh, other verticals may include other technologies um, okay. in the renewable energy transition rather than kind of the DG and community solar space. Um, you know, our mission is to deploy megawatts and we have the ability to tackle kind of really difficult projects with quite a bit of hair on them. You know, complicated development does not scare us. Um, we are a small team, um, and the way that we're able to, you know, execute on gigawatts of, of projects is to focus on large-scale projects. So, you know, I, I think our highest and best use is to kind of develop these large-scale projects, albeit there is a lot of margin compression um, these days, you know, and leave kind of the DG and CNI and community solar uh, verticals to those who do it very, very well. Okay. Well, just in closing, uh, Noble, and thanks for coming on the program today. Really appreciate it. You know, given this experience that you guys have, um, you know, can you give us an idea about really where permitting is right now for these projects and where you think it needs to go um, to be more, more of an efficient system? Um, and again, lost beneath the headlines of, of auction and supply chain is that, you know, you guys were already going into these headwinds on permitting. Um, it was obviously efficient to to produce and manufacture solar projects, um, but there's still always the issue of permitting that's out there. So um, maybe give us some of your thoughts about what you've experienced as one of some of the bigger obstacles and um, just where the system needs to go. Yes, absolutely. Sounds good. You know, um, permitting is one of the pillars of solar and renewables development, right? So, you know, other than offtake and interconnection and land, permitting is definitely something that we pay a lot of attention to. You know, we focus on permitting kind of early on in the stages of development. Um, you know, these are long cycle development, two, three, four, five years in PJM, you know, uh, to get projects across the finish line. But we've focused a lot of our efforts on um, planning and zoning early on. Um, you know, in, in markets where there is a lot of renewables, we're seeing a lot, uh, we're seeing growing opposition uh, for, for solar and we're seeing that in um, county ordinances being changed to have, you know, an acreage restriction, a distance restriction. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's happening kind of all across the board, especially Virginia, where, where most of our projects are today. Um, and, you know, we, we, Focus all, we focus a lot of our, of our efforts on trying to solve those early on so that, you know, as kind of the bigger checks come along with signing PPAs and interconnects, uh, we do not have this binary risk um, moving forward. You know, I think the conversation between developers and governments is very fragmented. Um, I think the I think the conversation needs to be on a higher level and kind of statewide. Uh, to have some sort of way for um, to incentivize the local governments to talk to developers and for them to want to 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 um, develop alongside us. And so, you know, I think there's a mismatch of information that's being um, read by these um, kind of local go local governments, and we need to be a part of that conversation. And so, we don't what we don't want to do is shove solar down the throats of communities that don't want it. But I believe that if if the state legislature can incentivize local governments, uh, you know, I think that would open up a very uh, positive that would start the com conversation that would start the conversation in a positive note. Um, so it, would there be some be some sort of, you know, um, streamlined permitting process? I think that's what every solar developer wants. 
you know, but we, but again, what we don't want to do is, you know, um, you know, site solar in counties where they don't want it. Um, and so I think whatever we can do to open up conversation, that'd be the most helpful. Great. All right. Well, that's all the time we have, uh, this go around. So thanks for tuning in. Noble, thanks for coming on the program and, uh, please tune in next time. Work out. <laughs>